0: Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, an la ilaha illa Allah, I أن that Muhammad is
1: Amma Ba'd, my dear brothers and sisters in Islam, assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. We begin with a reminder that we should have taqwa in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which means that we should be conscious of Allah, we should always be thinking of Allah, we should fear Allah, and we should protect ourselves from Allah's punishment and His anger. As He tells us in the Qur'an, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِتَّقُوا اللَّهَ He says, O oh, you who believe, have taqwa in Allah, as He's worthy of having taqwa in. And do not allow yourself to pass away, except that you're in a state of islam, or a state of loving submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And on this blessed day of Jum'a, when our salawat are shown to our beloved Master Muhammad, and on this still very pivotal and difficult time on the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we ask Allah to send an abundance of peace and prayers upon our beloved messenger. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik wa an'im ala Habibina Muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Ama ba when our beloved messenger Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was beginning his call, his first public call to Quraysh, he decided to climb Mount Safa and he called out, Ya Ma'shar Quraysh, O people of Quraysh, come to me. And when the tribes of Quraysh surrounded the mountain, our beloved messenger Sallallahu Alaihi asked them, what do you know of me? And they said, we know you to be our son, and the son of our brother, and our nephew. And we know you to be al amin. We know you to be the trustworthy. And then he said, have you ever heard me tell a lie? And they said, no, we've only known you to be a man who speaks truth. And then our beloved messenger, sallallahu asked them, if I was to tell you that an army had amassed on the other side of this mountain, And they were preparing to attack and you should defend yourselves. Would you take heed? And they said, of course. He said, then no. I am a messenger and a warner from Allah sent to you. And then he called each tribe by name. He said, O tribe so-and-so, I cannot avail you on the day of judgment. Save yourself. And he started from the tribe farthest from him in family until he got to his own direct family, Ben-Hashim. And then he began to name uncle by uncle, aunt by aunt. Ya Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib, I cannot protect you from the fire, protect yourself. Until he got to his own children, until he got to his beloved Fatima radiAllahu anha. And he said, Ya Fatima binti Muhammad, I cannot protect you on the day of judgment, except that if you ask me for something in this life, I will give it to you. But I cannot save you on the day of judgment, save yourself. In response to this, Abu Lahab took up a patch of dirt or sand and threw it in his direction to signify his distaste and his dislike for what the Prophet sallallahu had just said. I want to come back to the story in a moment. This week was another reminder for me at least and I think for many of others otherwise that the Enemies of righteousness, the enemies of justice, in specific the Zionist entity that exists on the Holy Land, is very prone to spread lies and misinformation. There was a news story that went viral in that land this week, and it made its way across the Internet, where one of the main news shows in that land, finally after a hundred and plus days, admitted things that many of us already knew were debunked were actually false. They had a clip where the newscaster was saying, we propagated and spread some lies after the attack on October the 7th. The 40 beheaded babies, babies hung on clotheslines, a pregnant mother with her stomach cut open and the baby thrown in the oven. And they admitted all of these were lies. They're finally admitting it after all these months of genocide and death. Certainly doesn't mean that some crimes were not committed that day. Only Allah knows. We don't fully know the story yet. But at least the evidences that they use, the primary stories that they use to drum up support for their genocidal rage, they're finally beginning to admit have been debunked. There was another video that went viral in the last couple of days where a spokesman for their army was being interviewed by a French journalist. And the French journalist was asking him about a Shifa hospital. And He said, you know, for months you were telling us that there was a command center under a Shifa and that's why you had to do what you did. That's why you had to raid them. That's why you had to take doctors out of the hospital. That's why in other hospitals babies were left in incubators to die because there were these command centers under the hospital. But now that you left, we don't see this evidence. You claim there was a command center. We didn't find a command center. What do you say to that? And the spokesman for the army, his response was, this is not an appropriate question for one democracy to ask another. You're just trying to undermine our story. Completely obfuscating. And if you're anything like me, hearing their lies hurts almost as much as their crimes or other crimes do. A very frustrating and painful thing. It almost drums up, it like multiplies your anger. But it reminded me of a very famous hadith of our beloved Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, where he says, "Alaykum sidq Yahdi ila al wa inna al-Birra yahdi ila jannah He says. I extol you, I urge you, it is incumbent upon you that you be truthful, that you be people of honesty. Because that honesty, that truthfulness, will lead to righteousness. And righteousness will lead you to Jannah. Later on in the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ says, wal And I warn you fiercely against lying. فَإِنَّ الْكَذَبَ يَهْدِي إِلَى الْفُجُورِ وَإِنَّ الْفُجُورَ يَهْدِي إِلَى الْنَارِ He said, for lying will lead you to wickedness and debauchery and evil. That's what fujur is. It's all sorts of wickedness and evil and debauchery. Lying will lead you to fujur. Fujur will lead you to jahannam. It will lead you to the hellfire. عليه الصلاة والسلام As I watched these spokespeople and these newscasters for the Zionist entity squirm and lie and try to find ways around the obvious truth that's striking the rest of us in our faces. There was another clip this week of a UK politician who was being asked about, there were at least two videos this week, it's insane that this is happening subhanAllah, at least two videos this week of men holding up white flags, making it clear I have nothing. I am not a threat. I am coming to rescue some other members of my family being sniped down on the actual camera. We have the footage. And when the UK representative is asked, his response is, we shouldn't rush to judgment until we know the whole story. You see it with your own eyes and you're asking us to deny it. Subhanallah. But it reminded me of this hadith because these two crimes, these two sins, are not distanced from one another, they are directly linked. Lying, and this evil, this debauchery, this killing, their willingness to lie, and their willingness to kill and steal and rape and murder, are directly linked to one another, they are not separate from one another. And one's ability to be truthful, is directly linked to how much they will eschew and protect themselves from that corruption. And so I wanted to take a few moments to reflect on how this is the case. And as far as I can see, and this isn't definitive, as far as I can see there are three primary reasons why this relationship exists. The first is that you cannot actually know what is moral or immoral, what is good or evil, without a commitment to honesty and truthfulness. Let's go back to that story I opened with. It's interesting, is it not, that our beloved Messenger Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam began his call by asking his people to establish what they knew about him. You know Allah says in the Quran, He knows best with whom to place his revelation. When they mocked Muhammad, who are you? for Allah to give you this Qur'an. Allah responds by saying, I know best where to put my revelation. And those two questions that he asked them established that reality. A, they knew him through and through. He had lived with them for more than 40 years. He was an orphan among them. He was a beloved grandson to the hero of the Arabs, Abdul Muttalib. He was a known entity. He was not some obscure figure. And they loved him. And that brings us to the second point. What did you know about me? We know you to be a sadiq al amin Were these not his two monikers? The truthful, the trustworthy. Why would Allah choose? Now Allah does nothing haphazardly. He chose among all of Quraysh, the man known as a sadiq al amin to bring his revelation. One of the ways we get the answer to this question, why would Allah put it with him? One day in the Qur'an, or during one source of revelation, Allah taala was commenting to the Rasul about his desire, the Prophet's desire, to bring massive miracles for Quraysh to believe. He really wanted some of the leaders of Quraysh to believe. And in his heart, the Prophet wanted some massive miracles. Allah says in one place in the Qur'an, If Allah showed them the, the, the dead resurrected and speaking to them. If Allah turned the mountains into gold from them, they still would not believe. And Allah uses as evidence the fact that they disbelieved in you after they knew you. They knew who you were. You know, they once asked, um, Abu Jahl, he was once asked by Abu Sufyan of all people, why he didn't believe in Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, And Abu, Sufi, Abu Jahl spoke it plainly. He said, we know this man does not lie. And we know what he has, we cannot comprehend or understand where he's bringing it from. But I will never allow someone from his tribe to claim something honorable that I cannot claim from my own tribe. He's claiming he's a prophet, how am I going to bring anyone from my tribe to claim that they're a prophet? This is why the definition of kufr in the Qur'an is one who covers the truth. When the Qur'an uses the word kafir, many of the mufassirin say, this is not describing an average disbeliever. This is describing a person who knows in his heart or her heart, Allah is true, Muhammad is true, and they reject it anyway for other reasons. Allah is telling Muhammad Wasallam, even if the miracles came down that they asked for, they wouldn't believe. Because it's not out of a lack of knowing that they don't believe. Shaytan knows who Allah is. Shaytan knows Muhammad S.A.W. is a prophet. Does he not? Of course he does. Did that stop him from being a kafir? No. Allah was making it clear that the real connection between one's kufr and one's iman is whether they accept the truth or deny it. Whether they are from the kathibin or Siddiqeen. And this is why Allah makes clear, I sent my revelation to a man you cannot deny his truthfulness. And you know Allah extends this. You know there are some stories in our tradition that on first glance seem embarrassing to Muhammad sallallahu or to us as Muslims. So one of them for example is his marriage to Zainab. There's an ayah in the Quran where Allah says, that he commanded Muhammad, he revealed to Muhammad that after Zayd, his adopted son, divorces Zainab, he is to marry her. And Allah says, And you hoped that you could hide this fact because you were worried about what people may say. Sayyidina Aisha says, If there was an ayah in the Quran that our beloved master Muhammad would have wanted to hide, it would have been this ayah. In another seemingly odd story, in the early days of his revelation, it said, there are two statements that Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi makes that throws many Muslims into doubt and concern. One of them is that he says, I'm scared for myself. He tells Khadija I don't understand what's happening. Who is this being that came out of the sky and squeezed me? I don't know, I'm scared for myself. And in another story he says, I used to go to the tops of mountains, and I would contemplate throwing myself off the mountain. Now some of the ulama comment on the wisdoms of such stories remaining in our tradition and being preserved. One of the wisdoms is that everyone can look back through the ages and know Muhammad tells the truth. If he was a liar... If he was someone seeking to lie about his prophethood, why would he keep these seemingly embarrassing stories in there? Why would he keep ayat in the Qur'an that correct him? Allah directly corrects him multiple times in the Qur'an. Why would he leave it in there if he's a liar? So Allah has left evidence for the generations to know. Your prophet is a truthful man. You can trust him. He only speaks the truth. And so if you want to know what is morally right and what is morally wrong, you need to be committed to truthfulness. It's the only way you'll be able to know Allah is Al-Haqq and He sent down Al-Haqq. وَبِالْحَقِّ أَنزَلْنَاهُ وَبِالْحَقِّ نَزَلْ Allah says about the Qur'an, we sent it down with truth and it came down with truth. And Allah is the truth, that's one of His names, Al-Haqq, the one fundamental truth, as you've heard me say many times. So number one, why does Siddiq lead to Birr? Why does honesty lead to righteousness? Because you can't actually know what is moral or immoral, i.e. you can't know this deen unless you are committed to knowing the truth. Al-Haqq, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the only know you will get there, the only way you will get to al haq is by committing yourself to truthfulness and honesty. Number two, and I mentioned this in my last khutbah, so I'll go over it quickly. You cannot judge justly. You cannot be a just person if you do not know the truth of matters. I told you guys in my last khutbah here, there's a story of our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where one day in Medina, he heard two people quarreling loudly outside of his home. And so he comes out to see what the situation is in comment. and in his conversation with them, he tells them, sometimes two of you will come to, to me to settle a dispute between you. And one of you will be more eloquent than the other. And in your eloquence, you will convince me that you are right and your brother is wrong. And I will judge in your favor. And in judging in your favor, I would have given your brother's haq, your brother's rights to you. You should know if that happens, that haq is a piece of hellfire. Take it if you will, leave it if you will. Meaning our beloved messenger sallallahu wasallam was saying it himself, that even I, if Allah uplifts the revelation from me for, on a specific matter, and I'm left to judge between you, I can only judge based on what I know. And if I don't know all the truth, if I'm not able to understand or identify the full truth, I may get it wrong. You cannot be a just and upright person if you are not committed to seeing the truth for what it is. And you see this playing out today. This is why this quote-unquote rules-based order they've been talking about for decades. We've built a rules-based order. They've been telling us for decades. This is why it's the greatest civilization in history. It's created this rules-based order for all nations to live by. When we are watching a genocide unfold in front of us, they insist on telling us, don't believe your eyes. It's all lies. And every response is Hamas, Hamas, Hamas. October 7th, October 7th, October 7th. We're watching you kill babies in front of us and you can't answer the question, what rules-based order? How many of us have any faith in this so-called rules-based order anymore? For how many of us has it become clear? This is an issue of power and power alone. If you do not commit yourself to truth, you cannot be just. That's why a sidq leads to bir. That's the second way. And the third way, before we go to break, inshallah, is that you cannot self-correct. You cannot identify your mistakes and correct them without a commitment to truth with yourself. As-sidq ma'an-nafs. This whole deen is built on the purification of our souls. Each one of us struggling against ourselves to try to purify ourselves. You can't do that if you cannot first be honest with yourself about why you did things and what you did. If you cannot admit, I made a mistake, I did this wrong, and I need to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can never do tawbah. You can never self-correct. You can never actually grow. One of the building blocks, in fact, the essential building blocks to the development of oneself or to the development of one's family is how much you are able to be truthful and honest with yourself and those around you. Because otherwise you have no way of knowing. You know, the most famous story of Tawbah in our tradition is the story of Kaab bin Malik. It's a very famous story, very long story. I'm going to keep it very, very brief. During the last years of the Prophet's life, he had a battle called the Battle of Tabuk. And it was mandatory on every Muslim man in Medina to go to this battle. Sayyidina Ka'ab tells us he was doing very well at this time. He was very comfortable. He got too comfortable. He procrastinated. He intended on going, but he procrastinated and procrastinated and procrastinated till the army left and he missed the battle. When the Prophet ﷺ returns from the battle, he has to go and tell him why he wasn't with him. Sayyidina Ka'ab comes to our beloved messenger Muhammad ﷺ and tells him, Ya Rasulullah, Allah gifted me with an eloquent tongue. If I wanted to, I could convince you that I should be excused. And you might be pleased with me, but I know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will know the truth. Ya Rasulullah, I have no excuse. My dear brothers, please move up a little bit, inshallah, and make space for the brothers behind you. says, Ya Rasulullah, I have no excuse. Him and two other companions were honest, and Allah commanded... Their punishment was to be exiled from the community. No one was to speak to them or deal with them, including for a period of time, their wives, their spouses, were not to deal with them at all or speak to them at all. It's a very painful punishment that Ka'ab went through. After 50 days of this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses in the Quran accepting their tawbah. And this became a day of celebration in Medina. So Kab radhiyallahu anhu when he hears this he says I have to go hear it from Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself and he runs to the masjid and he sits with our beloved messenger and after he hears the ayat he tells our beloved prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam ya rasulullah the greatest lesson I've learned from this is to always be honest because honesty will save you even when you make mistakes and I promise you ya rasulullah from this day forward I will commit myself to only speak the truth and Ka'ab, who was the one who narrated this hadith and he said, I've done my best to keep that promise until this day. His tawbah was only possible because he was honest. There were plenty of men in Medina who did not go to Tabuk. And they were not honest with the Prophet ﷺ. You know what we call those men today? Munafiqeen. They were the hypocrites of Medina. And in fact, our beloved Messenger ﷺ says, The first way to identify a munafiq a hypocrite is when he speaks or she speaks they lie may allah make us people of truth always You know, my dear brothers and sisters, we learn from the methodology of Allah teaching us in the Qur'an. We learn that when we observe or reflect upon the stories of other nations or other peoples or other people, the point is for us to learn the lessons ourselves. So Allah tells the story of Musa and Bani Israel many times in the Qur'an. Allah goes over the stories of many prophets and their peoples. It was not to mock those people or to judge them. It was so that the believing community following Muhammad wasallam learns the lessons and doesn't, don't, does not repeat them. I share all this today. Not just so I can point out the evil vileness of this entity that we are facing down today. And they are not the only one. There are many corrupt powers in the world, unfortunately. Our brothers in China are facing it. Our brothers in India are facing it. Our brothers in Kashmir are facing it. Our brothers in Sudan are facing it. But we have to first and foremost be very conscious that we don't fall into the same mistake. These people, if we want to assume that they started from a sincere place where they were concerned about their safety after centuries of bigotry in Europe, if we want to assume That story is real and honest, and it started from a good place. Where they made a fatal flaw was that they made power for power's sake their goal. Establishing a base of power and preserving that power became their goal. When you do that, you're willing to do anything to keep that power. This Ummah has to be an Ummah of Siddiq first and foremost and completely. Allah tells us to bring power, to amass power that we can. But we do not do that at the expense of our commitment to truth, which means our commitment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if we lose battles in this world, that is okay, so long as we maintain our commitment to sit. Because if we don't, one day it may be us that are the delusional maniacs on the other side committing genocides. And as we struggle... For justice and righteousness in this world, it has to be, first and foremost, a struggle for truth above all else. We will push for the truth to be known at all times. It is only through that way that we can actually defeat this false ideology. Only. One false ideology cannot fully defeat another. It's just a power game at that point. What we're after is defeating it at its roots. We want the hearts to be open, and they are only open through sitq and through honesty, and through truthfulness. And you know, in the last khutbah here two weeks ago, I was talking about Surah Al-Mursadat. And I told you, Allah repeats in that surah, وَيْلٌ lil A vile curse on the day of judgment for those who deny the truth. Allah says in Surah al maidah And on that day, the Siddiqeen will benefit from their Sidq. On that day, those who are written as truthful people, will benefit from their sitq, And Allah says in another ayah, they will be on a maqam of sitq on that day. Meaning when you stand before Allah, your footing will be a footing of truthfulness. And Allah will benefit you even if you lost in this world. Every commitment to truth, Allah will elevate you for it. You know the second highest category of humanity? After the prophets. So the highest category of human beings, according to Allah, are the Prophets, of course. Right after them, as-siddiqeen. Those who are committed to truth. How do you become written as a siddiq now? This is the last thing. We'll go back to the hadith I started with. I skipped over some parts of the hadith. I want to end with them now. After our beloved messenger, sallallahu says, as-sidq leads to bir, bir leads to jannah. He says, Rajulu wa and then our, our beloved messenger says at the end of the hadith, Our beloved messenger ﷺ says, if you want to be written as a Siddiq, no, it's a simple formula. It's a hard formula, but it's a simple one. Meaning it's difficult but simple. You have to speak the truth. He says, a man will speak the truth... And will constantly be striving to be truthful until Allah finally writes him or her as a sadiq. It has to be a commitment of time where I am going to commit myself as much as I can throughout my life in every instance to be truthful. No matter how embarrassing or difficult or bitter the truth may be, I will commit to it. And on the other side, How are you written as a kathab? Our Prophet says the exact opposite a man will speak falsehood and will strive to, as they like to say politely, spread disinformation. They will strive to lie for so long until Allah writes them as a kadhab On that day, our success and our failure will be directly linked to how much we were committed in this earth to find truth, to live truthfully, and to act truthfully. And those who suffer it will be directly linked to how much they denied the truth in this world. May Allah make you and I from those who hear what is said and follow the best of it. Oh Allah, all thanks and praise are due to you until you are pleased with us. And all thanks and praise are due to you if you become pleased with us. Ya Allah, forgive us our sins and accept from us our repentance. Ya Allah, we ask of you Jannah and we seek refuge in you from the hellfire. O oh Allah, please send an abundance of peace and prayers upon our beloved Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Oh you who turns the hearts, keep our hearts steadfast on Islam. Make beloved to us everything that is beloved to you. And make hated to us everything that is hated to you. Oh Allah, we ask that you make us people of Sidq. Ya Allah, make us people of Sidq. Ya Allah, make us people of Sidq. Ya Allah, be with our brothers and sisters in Gaza and in Palestine. Ya Allah, be with our brothers and sisters in China, Ya Allah, be with our brothers and sisters in Sudan, Ya Allah, be with our brothers and sisters in India, Ya Allah, be with our brothers and sisters in Kashmir, Ya Allah, use this community to alleviate the suffering of our brothers and sisters across the world, and do not let our community, or our sins be a means of increasing their suffering. Ya Allah, allow us to witness Ramadan, and to exit it completely forgiven of all of our sins. Ya Allah, we ask that you guide us, that you guide this country through us, and you make us a means for this country to be guided. وَآخْرَ دَعْوَانَ الْحَمْدِ اللَّهِ alamin wa وَأَقْمِ
0: Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashhadu an la ilaha illa Allah. Ashadu anna Muhammad, Rasulullah, hayya al-salati al-falah. قَدْ قَامَتِ الصلاة, قَدْ قَامَتِ الصلاة. اللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ اللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ لا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ
1: Strain your rows, try to close all the gaps. Please fill in the rows all the way to your right before starting a new one, inshallah. Try to pray as if it's your last chance before you go back and meet Him. اللَّهُ أَكْبَرُ وَالْعَصْرِ إِنَّ الْإِنْسَانَ لَفِيهِ خُسْرِ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِنُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصَوْا بِالصَّبِرِ الله أكبر سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَ الله لمن حمده الله اكبر Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahir Abil Alameen, Ar Rahmanir مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين إهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين قل هو الله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمد الله أكبر الله أكبر Allah hu Akbar Allah hu Akbar as As people are walking out, inshallah, there's a, uh, a request uh, to make dua for one of our brothers, Brother Muhammad Nasir, who has been hospitalized due to a heart attack. We'll make dua for him, inshallah, and for all of our brothers and sisters who are dealing with hardships and, and sicknesses, inshallah. Oh, Allah, all thanks and praise are due to you until you are pleased with us. And all thanks and praise are due to you if you become pleased with us. Yeah, Allah, forgive us our